Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. It's 5 August. It's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we have my beautiful wife up here because yesterday late afternoon we got our mail. And in the mail we had a couple of batik shirts from one of our missionaries who attends church online. I cannot say the person's name or where they are, but obviously these are batik, so it uh, isolates it down to a portion of the world around Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Brunei, that, that, that general area, Southeast Asia. They came in yesterday and we're just beaming over. You know, it, it is the church and the people in the church that are supposed to take care of their missionaries. And instead, we have missionaries that often take care of us. And, you know, when they come, they bless us with all kinds of things from their country, or they send us something or a, a note of encouragement when it's we that should be encouraging them. So if you, you're watching this and you have a missionary at the church that you're at, why don't you take time and at least send them an email, if not a personal letter, to send things overseas from America is very expensive. Okay, our postal system picks up the, the charges for the rest of the world, basically. When it, uh, Sergio sends something from Israel, it may be five pounds and it might cost $2 to send. Whereas for us to send something that's, you know, very lightweight, like just this, this thing, right, this prophecy update would cost me like $25 to send to Australia. So, you know, I mean, it's expensive unless it's a letter. If it's any package at all and it's bigger than that slip that they check to see, it, it's going to be $25, $30 to send something. So it's not always reasonable to send a missionary something from America until they come back and then you dote on them. But while they're over there, the least you can do is send them a thank you for their service, you know, things like that. So I want my wife and me to wave to <laughs> our friend overseas and thank that individual very much. Okay, there you go. Mm -hmm. You look beautiful today. Oh, thank you. All right. What's that? No, don't say any names during the, the update. Okay, I can tell you afterward, but I don't want to say anything that this could get out and, uh, uh, you know, it would compromise the uh, position that this person is in in a country which is uh, you know what I'm saying. So, um, and then one more thing. Come back up here. I have something for you. <laughs> uh, something for you. Um, this would be, I would be happy to give this to the individual who I just mentioned. I cannot because, um, you know, they're obviously not here. But I picked the final mangoes of the year yesterday. And surprisingly, the second to the last mango that I picked was the biggest of the year. This is now it's not as big as our biggest ever, but this year this is the biggest one. We had way more mangoes and they were smaller, but this is still a pretty big one. It's almost as big as her head. So I'm gonna let you have that and you do whatever you want with that. So there you go. That's that's the big one on the tree this year. So and I, I don't throw it at me. I have uh, one more mango that I saw. I was standing on my dad's roof looking at the tree, and there's one more on a branch, which is totally inaccessible. And if I climbed out there, it's above a concrete walkway. And I, if I fell, that would be the end of me. So uh, I left it up there, but hopefully that'll fall or some squirrel will get it, and uh, it Just won't. Keep walking the dogs. Yeah, keep walking the dogs. That's exactly right. So uh, there you go. There's our introduction to the Prophecy Update. And our first category, as always, is Israel. 
and I have something to show you. You know, we had an epic, epic fail, as we always do, on, um, what do you call it, uh, blood moons and people predicting the rapture and stuff. But despite being an epic failure, once again, on rapture predictors, we had confirmation of something in this blood moon. Now, you may not be able to see it from where you're at. I will describe it for you, and I'll put a picture of it on the um, prophecy update for the people online to see. Fail on the, the rapture, but it absolutely definitively proves a flat earth. I've been wrong about this all along. Yes, they have a shadow of, listen, there's a turtle and then elephant standing on top of the turtle, just like the old mythology said, and then there's a disc on top of it and it perfectly eclipsed in the moon. So now we have proof of a flat earth. There's a turtle swimming through the cosmic void. There's elephants that are on top of that. And there's a flat earth for all of us to see. So if you want to see that, come over and look at it later. But we now have proof of a flat earth. So something good came out of the blood moon. And that was taken directly from Israel at exactly 12 midnight. Everything was aligned cosmically. Proof. There you go. Okay, our first category, or I'm sorry, our first article is uh, from the IDF. This is kind of cool. Meet the Merkava Mark IV Barak. Okay, this is their newest Merkava tank. All right. Now, just so you know, Merkava, does anybody know where that word comes from? It comes from the Bible. It's describing something. What do you think it's describing? The chariots of Pharaoh, the Merkava, the chariots in, you know, the valley of whatever and the fights. That's where it comes from. So they just use biblical words for their uh, armament quite often. In order to improve the armor corps' operational capabilities on the modern battlefield, the corps developed the MK4 Barak. I said the mark. I think it's MK4. Anyway, this new addition will advance the Armored Corps' operational capabilities and serve as an innovative weapon, charging the face of the battlefield. The tank's new elements include artificial intelligence, updated sensors, and virtual reality capabilities. The MK4 will be the first tank to have a smart mission computer that will manage the tank's tasks. The advanced AI will reduce the team members' workload and help them more accurately locate and strike targets. The advanced defense capabilities and the use of electronic means will prepare the combat soldiers to carry out missions according to the level of urgency. Along with all of this, additional logistical improvements will also be introduced that will enable the tank to carry out missions that are up to 30% longer than the current ones. Perhaps the most incredible advancement is that the soldiers can learn how to use the tank via VR simulation. You don't even need to be in the tank anymore. The VR Sessions will allow for soldiers to partake in real exercises at all times. This means that when soldiers need to use the MK4, they will be more prepared than ever before. The helmet is called Iron View, and it will allow combat soldiers to see the outside environment from inside the combat vehicle. The sensors will allow the combat soldiers to operate the tank in a simple and advanced way and will contribute to its defense, both physically and technologically. Good stuff, Israel. Keep it up. From Jerusalem Post, I just, I thought this was kind of gave me a kick, and so that's why I'm including it's not really prophecy related other than the fact that um, uh, it's just cool. Um, from Jerusalem Post, double whammy. Female IDF officer downs Syrian jet and drone. The Syrian jet that went down a week ago, hey, it was a lady. Now, to a, I'm sure to a Muslim that would be considered a real disgrace, and I bet you that's why they publicize this. Here we go. Captain Or Naman 
commanded the Patriot Battery, which shot down a Syrian fighter jet over Israel's northern Golan Heights. As the commander of the Air Force's 138th Battalion's Patriot Battery, Naaman was also in charge of the interception of a Syrian drone, which fell south of Lake Kinneret, the Sea of Galilee, almost two weeks to the day after the downing of the jet. The Syrian Sukhoi fighter jet was intercepted by two Patriot missiles launched from Safed after it penetrated two kilometers into Israeli airspace. The pilot, identified as Colonel Umran Mari of the Syrian coastal city of Tartus, was confirmed to have been killed. So there you go. Just something I thought was kind of interesting. And then from Ynet, this is something that I reported on a couple years ago. I mentioned it in a Prophecy update just recently, remembering the article that I had reported on. And once again, he has brought this up to the people that uh, hate Israel. Lieberman, to Gaza residents, together we can become Singapore of the Middle East. You remember I brought that up. He's offered it to him. He's offering it again. With all of them throwing their bombs in and throwing in their kites and all that stuff burning up Israel, they are still offering to make peace with these people. In an interview with the Arabic Facebook page of the Coordinator of Government Activities in the Territories, Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman appealed to the residents of the Gaza Strip and said, We can be your best partners in the effort to turn refugee camps into Singapore of the Middle East. And all we need is the recognition of Israel's right to exist in peace, a solution to POWs and MIA's issues and demilitarization. So they're asking for almost nothing. If your leaders are not ready for that, then replace the leadership. So there you go. They're offering to help them in any way they can and make them absolutely a Singapore of the Middle East, which they could be. But it's not going to happen. From Christian News today, our brother Isaac, who is in Africa, Uganda, and in the past I have asked for help for him as he's built schools, he's helped people with AIDS, he's, uh, you know, had piggery projects and on and on and on and on. The guy is unstoppable. He's had uh, yellow fever twice. He's had typhoid three times, something. I mean, he's always getting something and he works through it as much as he can. He's an amazing person. I want you to know that they finished the school that started about a year and a half ago. He's been slowly building it. He got the money to build the walls and then he got the money to build the roof and they got the money to put on the doors and they finished it out. And uh, so if anybody wants those photos, I want to uh, make sure that you send me an email and I will send you the photos. He sent me some uh, videos and stuff, which I don't know if I can send via email. But uh, he's done a great deal. He has new projects going. He's Now he wants to build an outdoor toilet facility for the school. If not, then they have to do, you know, whatever. But um, he's got that going. He's got all kinds of things going. If you want to give to somebody that is really doing a great job, uh, he is one of the people I would recommend. There are others, but I'm just going to highlight him today and let you know that he has finished that. And everybody that helped in the building of that school, we thank you very much. Um, let's see here from the Christian Post. I, you know what? I'm just going to call this section Mother of Harlots today. Okay, it's all dealing with one major subject. Dope Francis strips U.S. Cardinal of title, orders life of seclusion amid sex abuse accusations. So, yeah, exactly. Well, you listen to the age of this guy and what he's done. It hardly matters anyway, you know? It says, uh, Dope Francis has ordered the suspension of Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, a prominent leader of the RCC in the United States, from exercising any public ministry and placed him in a life of seclusion for 
a life of prayer and penance. Okay, now, if they left this guy in as a cardinal, they would be sued and they would continue to be sued. So they know they have to do this. So what do they do? They let him retire to a home somewhere and he just gets off scot-free, basically. They, that's what's happening here. Following accusations of sexual abuse of a teenage altar boy decades ago. The allegation surfaced last month, and officials of the United States RCC have said they are credible and substantiated. The alleged victim says that while he was helping McCarrick, he measured for a robe for Christmas Mass in 1971. The priest, I, I don't want to read it, did something gross and sexually assaulted him. A year later, he says that a similar assault took place in a bathroom. Another minor incident, uh, minor recently claimed that McCarrick abused him when he was 11 years old. Many other men have also alleged he forced them to sleep with him in, at a beach house in New Jersey when they were studying at a seminary for the priesthood. So all they do is they just kind of brush it under the table, give him a lifetime of, uh, he's like 88 years old, right? They give him, a, a, he gets to keep his money coming in, he gets to keep his house, and he just gets secluded in there, which is what he'd be doing at this time in his life anyway. It's, it's he perverse. Ten-year-olds. Yeah, it, he was he was harming ten-year-olds oh. exactly. So, uh, from the Times of Israel, Catholic Church in Jerusalem slams nation-state law, urges Christians to protest. Now, this is against the nation-state law of Israel. Okay. As I said, the only people that had come out really against it were, of course, the people that are in the country that aren't Jews. They, they're not happy with that. The Druze are very unhappy about it. They're protesting. That's to be expected. You know, you, you pass any law in America, some category of the people is going to get offended. That's just how it happens. So we'll put Israel on the side, except the Jews of Israel who are liberal who don't like the law. And all of the liberal Jews in America don't like the law. Pretty much everyone else is content with it. Now the Catholic Church is against it. It tells us that it is a good law. When you see the people that are the obvious players coming against something, you know that the law is just fine. All right, here's what it says. The Latin patriarch in Jerusalem issued a statement slamming the newly passed nation-state law, which called it discriminatory, and said it violated both Israeli and international law. I guarantee you it does not, because if it did, it would not have passed the Knesset after three goes through. The patriarchate, which represents the RCC in the Holy Land, called on all Christians in Israel to protest the law that reserves the right to national self-determination exclusively for Israel's Jewish citizens. I will bet that our Arab Christian friend that attends from Israel online is not out protesting this law, and she doesn't care about this law. That's my guess. So, we'll go on. The law fails to provide any constitutional guarantees for the rights of the indigenous and other minorities living in the country, which they already have. They have those rights. So, a patriarchate statement said... Palestinian citizens of Israel, constituting 20%, are flagrantly excluded from the law. The law passed earlier this month has roiled the country amid mounting criticism of provisions that many decry as exclusionary towards minority groups. Supporters of the law see it as necessary to balance Israel's Jewish and democratic characters as well as enshrine into law the country's status as a Jewish state. I have no problem with it at all. But, you know, I'm obviously on the wrong side of the RCC on that one. From Breitbart, Italian bishop. This is an Italian bishop in the RCC. I would turn all churches into mosques to save migrants. An Italian bishop has said that he would be willing to see an end to Christianity 
and the dominion of Islam if it meant saving migrants' lives. Now, you remember a year or so ago, the the uh, priests that were in Africa did something that offended Dope Francis, and he said, I demand that you retract this, and he went through all these things, and you're going to lose your priestly status and all this stuff if you don't do this. You, do you think you're going to see it from him on this? Not going to happen. All right. It says, uh, morally, as a man of faith, I would be willing to turn all churches into mosques. Well, what faith? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What faith? If you're a man of faith, where is your faith? Okay? If it were useful to the cause, and at what cause? The entire thing is just peanut head. All right? If it helped to save the lives of poor and unhappy men and women, because Christ did not come to earth to build churches, but to help men regardless of race, religion, or nationality. Listen, he is the Christ of all nations. He has saved people out of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Remember it says that several times in the New Testament? He is saving people's souls. He's not worried nearly as much about this physical life that we exist in. What he cares about is the eternal souls of humanity. This bishop, this cardinal, whatever he is, should be taken right out. But it won't happen. Okay, uh, let's see here. His name is the former bishop of Caserta, Raffaele Nogaro. During the campaign leading up to the March 4 elections, Salvini, the 45-year-old leader of the League Party, waved a rosary and swore on the Christian Gospels. I swear to be faithful to my people, 60 million Italians. I swear with honesty and courage to apply the Italian Constitution respecting the teachings contained in these Holy Gospels. Will you swear together with me? So he's making a stand for Italy. The Catholic Church did not like that. Bishop Nogaro is on the cutting edge of a clerical movement to oppose Italy's populist government, especially regarding its efforts to curb the illegal immigration that has run rampant in the country since 2014. For this group of prelates and priests, Matteo Salvini, despite his Catholic faith, is the personification of everything evil about the new government. You can see why people hate Trump. is because it's the same ideology going on over there. Okay? with one priest going so far as to call him the Antichrist. This movement, despite moral support that goes all the way to the top with Dope Francis, has begun creating a divide between rank-and-file Catholics and the hierarchy. Once again, I've said this several times, is that this is an attempt to usurp what God has ordained in the nations of the world. God ordains the nations. He says, this people group lives here, 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 and here. Read Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations. These are the people groups. They spread out around the world. And that's why you have France here. You've got Germany here. There's a border between the two, and they don't speak the same language. When you eradicate that, you are building the one world government back. You're building the one world language. You're building the one world monetary system, the one world religion. And this is antichrist. They are projecting, just like liberals and, and these people do all the time, they project. What they are doing is what they say other people are doing. So this is antichrist stuff here. In a major poll earlier this month, Salvini turned out to be the most trusted politician in the predominantly Catholic nation. When Salvini denied permission to debark to the NGO vessel Aquarius that was carrying hundreds of African migrants in late June, the Italian bishops were among those protesting most loudly. He says, we don't want them anymore. We don't need any more in here. And the Catholics went crazy. It is Jesus coming to us on a vessel. So they're saying these migrants are Jesus, right? It's absolutely crazy. He is in the man or child who drowns. Well, not if they're Muslims. He will be if you would convert them to Jesus. 
to Christianity, but they're not even interested in doing that. All they are interested in is getting rid of the world system that exists today to usher in the end times, taking Jesus Christ out of the picture. That's what they're interested in. It says, it is Jesus who fishes through the garbage in search of a little food, says Sicilian Cardinal Francesco Montenegro, who blamed efforts to curb mass migration on callousness and indifference, suggesting that a certain breed of Christian creates the poor and then doesn't want them because they are irksome and lets them die. That sounds exactly like liberals in this nation. Donald Trump is creating the poor and then he doesn't care about him and he wants them to die. When it is they who have created the system which has caused the poor to live as poor, generation after generation after generation, and then it is they who want them to die. It's exactly the opposite of what's happening. It's called projection. From Mail Online, Dope Francis changes church stance on death penalty, declaring it inadmissible with Catholic teachings. Well, let me take you to what the Bible says, because guess what? This, this predates the law of Moses. The law of Moses is annulled. It is set aside. It is obsolete in Christ. That is found in the book of Hebrews 7.13, uh, chapter 8, I think 15, and chapter 10, uh, 8 or something. It's annulled. It is obsolete. It is uh, set aside. Okay, and Paul says that it is nailed to the cross, implying that Jesus Christ's body was nailed to the cross. He is the embodiment of the law of Moses. When he died, the law died with him for anybody who is in Christ. Okay, we know that. But guess what it says in Genesis chapter 9. I want to take you here. I'm going to read you this before I finish with the article from Dope Francis. It says here, this is Genesis chapter 9, okay? Whoever sheds man's blood by man shall his blood shall be shed for in the image of God he made man let me ask you a question does Genesis 9 verse 6 come before or after the law of Moses way before the law of Moses it is an eternal standard of God it didn't change with the law of Moses it was codified into the law of Moses but it is an eternal standard of God it is for all nations at all times capital crimes are to be punished with capital punishment. That is what the Bible demands. By not doing that, you are actually disgracing God because we are his image bearers. When you take another human life through murder, then you have desecrated the image of God in that person and your life is forfeit. So here's what it says. Dope Francis changes church stance on death penalty, declaring it inadmissible with Catholic teachings. Dope Francis has changed the Catholic Church's stance on capital punishment. Death penalty is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. When that person attacked another person and took their life, when that person disgraced the image of God in that person by attacking them in that way, it, this is contrary to the Bible. This is antichrist. That is exactly what this is. The church has revealed it would do its best to abolish the death penalty worldwide. It is once again an attack against what is normative in the Bible, what is expected for the people of God. It is a complete attack against it. Very sad stuff from Islam today. From, I guess it's Deutsche Welle. It could be the Daily Wire. Anyway, Iran's currency, it is Deutsche Welle. Uh, Iran's currency drops 14% in one day on sanctions fears. I haven't seen what it is, but it has been going down since that article. The Iranian real has hit a new record low, dropping past 100,000 reals to the U.S. dollar. Just after this, it was 112,000 to the U.S. dollar. The currency is down 50% since April. 
just since the U.S. pulled out of the 2015 nuclear deal. It would have been completely gone by now if we had stuck to our guns under our previous president, but he reinfused them with our tax dollars, with our money, or money that was theirs, which we had confiscated because they were not meeting their obligations. He gave it back to them and gave them another year to build uh, terror weapons against Israel, terror weapons against the people of the world, to put little... Uh, People, groups of people down in South America that can come right over the border and kill us. I mean, Iran has had another couple of years to do that, whereas in just a couple months, our president has been able to do this to them. They will be coming to the table soon enough. Unless something happens, you know, the economy collapses and Gog Magog takes off, whatever. But if things go as they're going and the world goes unchanged, that is the logical outcome of what our president has done. Good stuff, Donald Trump. From the Daily Beast, the next Prime Minister of nuclear-armed Pakistan really hates the United States. Yes, the most dangerous country in the world just got considerably more dangerous. Pakistan, home to the fastest-growing nuclear weapons arsenal on Earth, has broken the decades-old dominion of its electoral politics by two family dynasties. Imran Khan is poised to be the next prime minister backed by the powerful army. Khan blames Pakistan's problems on America and is the most anti-American politician in South Asia. Khan is an outspoken defender of the army and is closely aligned with the Islamist movements patronized by the ISI. He is a frequent critic of the United States, which he says treats Pakistan like a doormat. Khan says the American war on terror since 9-11 has cost Pakistan billions of dollars and tens of thousands of lives. Well, if they didn't hide Osama bin Laden there, if they didn't do some of the things that they were doing, it wouldn't be a problem, but it is. So anyway, while domestic violence has gone down in the last couple of years, it spiked during the election season. Pakistan and the United States have had a deeply troubled relationship for decades with great highs and lows. Both sides have used the other and been unreliable partners. Trump's admin has been outspoken about Pakistan's connections to terrorism, yes, it's true, and its support for the Afghan Taliban. Military assistance has been suspended. Imran Khan has said that it would be a bitter pill to have to meet with Trump if he is prime minister, but one he would swallow. He probably doesn't have to worry. South Asia is not a priority for the Trump administration. The president has made clear he wants to bring Americans home from Afghanistan and wash his hands of the war there. His hardline rhetoric on Pakistan is unlikely to persuade Khan and the army to press the Taliban to peace negotiations. So far, Trump has been all talk and no action against Pakistan's ties to terrorism. His generals have persuaded him to stay in Afghanistan, but he is not persuaded they have a viable strategy. He well may be right. So there you go with that. Interesting. Uh, you can see just how the world is just evolving. I mean, we got a nuclear-armed country. They're building more nukes there all the time, and they hate the United States. They're obviously, because they're Muslim, they are against Israel. End-time stuff here. From Reuters, Trump seeks to revive Arab NATO to confront Iran. This went on late last week. The Trump admin is quietly pushing ahead with a bid to create a new security and political alliance with six Gulf Arab states, Egypt and Jordan in part to counter Iran's expansion in the region. So you've got Egypt and Jordan and six Gulf states. None of them are mentioned in Gog Magog coming against Israel. Surprise, huh? 
Okay, the White House wants to see deeper cooperation between the countries on missile defense, military training, counterterrorism, and other issues such as strengthening regional, economic, and diplomatic ties. The plan to forge what officials in the White House and Middle East have called an Arab NATO of Sunni Muslim allies will likely raise tensions between the United States and Shiite Iran, two countries increasingly at odds since President Trump took office. The admin's hope is that the effort, tentatively known as the Middle East Strategic Alliance, might be discussed at a summit provisionally scheduled for Washington on October 12th and 13th. The White House confirmed it was working on the concept of the alliance with our regional partners now and have been for several months. So we may have an Arab NATO, which would be a great deterrence against Iran, a pushback, and it would be a buffer for Israel. So we're going to watch and see where this goes, but very interesting. From ABNA, 72-year-old Syrian woman. Anybody hear this article? Ladies? 72-year-old Syrian woman fends off ISIS in a gunfight. Yes, the 72-year-old woman successfully repelled ISIS terrorists with her AK-47. Yes, after they had attempted to enter her home in rural Al-Sueda on Wednesday. According to the woman, she resisted the ISIS terrorists during a fierce gunfight, killing two of the terrorists before the Syrian military arrived on the scene. The woman was badly wounded after she was shot in the stomach. However, she kept resisting the terrorists as her four young grandchildren were also present in the house. The grandchildren were between the ages of seven months and seven years old. I guarantee you they're all proud of their grandma right now. They're visiting her every day at the hospital. They were saved from the ISIS terrorists that were kidnapping and murdering civilians in Al-Sueda. Go, Granny, go. I am telling you what, outstanding. Absolutely. You know, you, I always break down in tears when I read the comments of people that were in the war, especially like Vietnam, which is kind of my generation. I was young. I didn't serve. But, you know, you hear about these people that would be in a gunfight and they get shot and they keep fighting and they get shot a second time and they keep fighting and they get shot a third and a fourth time and they would keep fighting. I had a friend that I served with in Malaysia, Dave Holbert. He was a gunner on a... Uh, uh, what do you call it? A C one, not a C one third. That Huey, Huey helicopter. He had bullets all over his body. He was just riddled with holes. Nicest guy. Never slept. Never saw him sleep. He just he was always going. Never slept. But he was he was an outstanding person. I had a friend that I uh, worked at, at a gold mine up in Alaska some years ago. He was a part owner in the claim. And this guy was awarded some medals. I can't give his information because I don't have permission to, but this guy was shot and shot and shot. Mm. And when they found him, he stayed with his troops. They were all dead around him, and he, wow. he lived. He was captured one time. They, uh, uh, when they captured him, one of the guys bayoneted him. Oh. He pulled out his gun, and he shot that guy in the head. The bayonet cantilevered inside of him and cut him all the way open. Oh he walked the rest of the way home. Another time he got uh, captured and the guy had a gun on him. Well, they didn't check him for a knife in his boot and he took the guy out with his knife. There are people that are just tough and Granny here is one tough lady. She's the type of person you want on your side. They're few and they're far between. Most people get shot in the finger and they die, right? This lady got shot in the stomach and she continued to defend her family. Great stuff. From Mongolia today, Turkey rejects kidnap attempt on teacher in Mongolia. 
Mongolian authorities grounded a suspected Turkish Air Force jet after witnesses said assailants snatched a man associated with the group headed by U.S.-based preacher Fethullah Gulen. Uh, Vesel Ake, I guess, is director of a school in Mongolia that is alleged to be associated with Gulen. We're very uncomfortable with the fact that Friday's events are being presented as a kidnapping operation. In other words, the Turks went into Mongolia and tried to do a black bag job on this guy. Put a bag over him, shove him into a van, kidnap him back to Turkey. And they got caught. Interesting. It goes on. Turkish Foreign Minister Spokesman Hami Aksoy said in a statement, All such claims are false and we reject them. As many as five men grabbed Akay from outside his home in Mongolia's capital, Ulaanbaatar, and threw him into a minibus. Mongolian Vice Foreign Minister Bat Munk warned Turkish embassy officials that any attempt to abduct a person from Mongolia's territory would constitute a serious violation of Mongolia's independence and sovereignty. Now, they've had good relations, Turkey and Mongolia, and they probably thought they could get away with this, but they didn't. So, interesting stuff happening over in Mongolia. From Daniel 12 Technology, world's first colored human x-ray. Yes, this is very, very interesting. When you take an x-ray and all you see is no more, okay? It applies CERN technology, is used in search of God particle. A father and son tandem from New Zealand has introduced the first ever colored x-ray scanner adapted from technology used to find the Higgs boson. Phil and Anthony Butler dedicated full 10 years to build their 3D x-ray scanner, Finally, they released the world's first x-rays to have been scanned by the technology. The machine called the Mars Spectral X-ray Scanner is expected to assist medical professionals in the diagnosis and treatment of cancer as well as heart diseases through providing colored images that are much closer to what the human body looks like internally. You can see the bone. You can see the fat around it. You can see the the red meat. It's all in color. It's very interesting. The Mars X-ray can show, oh yeah, the fat, water, calcium, and other disease markers in the body's parts that are being scanned. In the next few months, the x-ray scanner will undergo its first clinical trial with orthopedic and rheumatology patients in Christchurch, New Zealand. Traditional black and white x-rays only allow measurement of the density and shape of an object. Anthony mentioned that researchers are currently using a smaller version of the Mars scanner to study cancer and other vascular diseases. Initial results from these studies suggested that Mars scanners will provide more accurate diagnosis and personalized treatment. Phil and Anthony said they are currently developing a machine that can scan the whole body. So these are some smart guys, a father and a son, that have spent 10 years of their life to develop something. It, it really is neat to see. Great stuff there. Revelation plagues today. With ISIS gone, or uh, yeah, ISIS gone, farmers struggle to revive what was once Iraq's breadbasket. They used to have just like our north, what do you, what do you call it, northwest, north, whatever, where the breadbasket is, Kansas area. They had a nice breadbasket. Well, that's almost all gone. Drought could be mitigated by irrigation, but critics say Iraq's political leaders are too consumed by infighting to pay attention to the needs of farmers. From the LA Times. Wildfires rage against Europe as countries battle intense heat wave. We, not only here in the U.S., but Europe is having a really bad time this year as scorching heat wave engulfs large parts of Europe this summer. Fires have torn through dozens of countries across the European Union. From Germany to France to Sweden, countries in Western Europe are set for another intense heat wave with temperatures soaring above 90 degrees. 
The risk of forest fires remains high as above normal heat is expected to continue into August. Oh, by the way, welcome to August, everybody. So there you go. Um, Some parts of eastern Germany have not had rain since April, according to weather forecasters. Bad stuff. And then from the Washington Post, firefighters in Europe face another obstacle as forest fires rage. What do you think it is? Unexploded World War II ammunition. Because it's all over the place. They're always finding it. Lothar, when he was here, told us they they find it all the time. They've got to evacuate this portion of the city and send in the sappers. And, you know, sometimes they can't remove it and they got to blow the thing up. And they're big bombs sometimes. Well, now they've got this problem. Firefighters are out there and these things are possibly detonating around them. There you go. Scary stuff. Scary world we live in. From the New York Times, the car fire, the one that's going on out in California... The car fire is the seventh most destructive in California history. It rages on. Guess what? That means it's not the most destructive or the second most or the third most or the fourth most or the fifth most or even the sixth most. So global warming swarming. If it's the seventh worst in history, then it's really not as bad as they're making it out to be. It's bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that everything in perspective. Next article. Zero Hedge. 90. 90. Percent of wildfires are caused by people, not by climate change. Ninety percent of them, not by a lightning bolt, not by, you know, a a bear smoking a cigar out in the, none of that. Ninety percent of all fires are started by some arsonist or some careless person. Okay. Weather Channel. Here we go. Worst red tide in more than a Decade leaves droves of animals dead on the southwest Florida beaches. More than a decade. Well, guess what that means? We had much worse a decade ago. When I was a kid, we had, I was talking to one of our missionary friends last week when we were out there, or yesterday while we were out doing our missionary work about this. I went to IHOP and Ginger came up to me and she was all freaked out. Is it true what they're saying about this? I, she said, I can't believe it. They're, it's all over the news. That's all they're talking about is the red tide. It's the worst in the world. And it's all because of big sugar, blah, 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 right? It has nothing to do with that. This was documented by a Franciscan monk in, I think it was 1539. It was documented by the Spanish uh, adventurers, the conquistadors that came to Florida in like the 1600s, okay? It was documented steadily since 1739 in the United States of America. Some years are worse, some years are not as bad. I can tell you this. I can tell you this with all assurance, that when I was a boy growing up out on Siesta Key, we had one that started at the beginning of the summer, and it lasted through the summer, and it went through the fall, it went through the winter, it went through the spring, and it lasted the entire next summer. We had dead fish for over a year, and it was in the bay. It wasn't just in the Gulf, it was in the bay. Everything was dead, and it is not caused by big sugar. It is not caused by it at all. Mom did say she was here at church, and you could smell it on Thursday night because the wind was coming this way, and she said, this smells worse than ever, and I know that's not true because she says, I smell worse than ever all the time, so she's getting old, and her her sensitivity is going up, so I want to read you something. Hey, this came out from my sun coast. Just so you know, Revelation Plagues, my sun coast, okay? How does it kill fish? Has coastal nutrient pollution caused the Florida red tide? This is what everybody, all the liberals are putting that out there because they don't like business. They don't like people making profit. And so every time something comes up, they make up a conspiracy theory. You know what it says in this book? Don't believe everything called a conspiracy. 
that they call a conspiracy. Don't do it, okay? Here's what it says. According to officials with the FWC and Moat Marine, which is the standard, they were out at the south end of Siesta Key when I was growing up out there. They've been there since the 50s. They moved up to Lido Key, but they are the same moat, and they have been studying this all along. Here's what the moat says. Moat Marine, there is no direct link between nutrient pollution and the frequency or severity of red tides caused by K. brevis. The only thing you're going to get is that green algae, which is because of all the runoff from all the people fertilizing their lawns and it runs off into the bay and you get green algae. Okay, that will take the oxygen out of the bay. It has nothing to do with K. brevis red tide. Okay, it, red tide is a naturally occurring organism that comes and it goes. And yes, it kills our manatees and it's very sad to see that happening and it breaks your heart, but that is the cycle of life. You know, Sergio was telling me one time we were watching a, uh, one of these planet, uh, animal planet type of things. And he says, isn't it amazing? You get, this duck has seven babies, right? Like at the mall, I have every year the ducks have babies behind the mall. And they start out with six or seven or yeah. eight babies. Yeah. And the next day there's five. Yeah. And the next day there's three. And then they're down to two. And she's with her two ducks because the, the things in the water eat them or whatever. Okay, it's very sad, but that's the way of the world. He said, isn't it interesting that everything continues on? Despite all the death that's around us, God is put in a certain number of babies to be born to keep the ducks going, a certain number of babies to be born to keep the snook going, even during the red tide. Oh, you know what? God is in control here. When the ball drops, it is going to be because God has taken his hands away and let us have our way. Right now, he is in control of things. We're not in a tribulation period, and when it comes, it's going to be really bad. Read Revelation. Let me take you before we go on. Revelation 16. All right. I know I'm going on a little bit, but hey, I'm fired up today. Revelation chapter 16. Talk about all these fires and everything. Guess what's happening during the tribulation period? Verse 9. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him the glory. It's because man doesn't give God the glory that these things come about. But we're not there yet. God is still in control. He is not taking his hands away yet. He is taking care of this world as it should be. Revelation plagues is done. We'll go on to morality, which I call O Canada. From the Christian headlines, transgender madness. This is so perverse. You know, we keep saying it's, it's at the end of the level of perverseness. Listen to this. This is so bad. I'm sorry to say it to you, but this is what's going on. Surgeon performs mastectomies on 14-year-old girls. A Toronto plastic surgeon who calls himself a leader in the LGBT community said he has performed mastectomies on girls as young as 14 who identify as boys. Can you imagine ruining somebody like this? Mark Dupere, who said he performed surgeries for two girls that age in the past five years who considered themselves transgender. He has conducted mastectomies on girls of 15 and 16 too. The surgery costs around $9,000. Parents should encourage questioning their children to understand their story, he told the website. All that money he's making off of this, he doesn't care about these human beings at all. He responded um, in an online forum with a patient. Dupere was asked the youngest age he would perform a mastectomy. He responded 14 and older and said it's helpful if the child is 16 to 18 or older, as long as it's clear your child is firm about the decision to transition. And with my consultation, him and yourself, I would be happy to help. $9,000? Yeah, I'm sure you are. Dave, isn't, that, isn't that as bad as it gets? I mean, I can't think of anything more perverse than that. The parents, the doctor, everybody involved in that, every one of them. Daily Wire, Canadian man, this is, talk about a little victory 
in the insanity of the world. This is it. You're going to laugh. Canadian man changes gender for cheaper car insurance. I told you. He identifies as a female while driving. Yes. In an attempt to save on car insurance, a Canadian man legally changed his gender to female, resulting in almost an $1,100 in savings. A man in his early 20s and only identified as David wanted to buy a Chevrolet Cruze. Now, he's a guy and he's still identified as David, but he's a woman on paper, right? Um, He uh, was given an insurance quote of around $4,500. He then asked the insurer if his cost could change if he was a woman. He was told his yearly insurance bill would be reduced to $3,400 or $1,100 less. I was pretty angry about that, and I didn't feel like getting blank, blank, blank over this anymore. When he asked the insurance agent to change his gender on the policy, his request was denied. So, instead, he changed his gender on his birth certificate and license by first obtaining a doctor's note by telling the doctor he identified as a woman. He was, it was pretty simple. I just basically asked for it and told them that I identify as a woman or I'd like to identify as a woman. And he wrote me the letter. He's not a Christian, so he doesn't care. He just wants the break on the insurance, right? He's not changing anything. He's just getting his just due from an insane, insane government, okay? When David applied to change his gender, he was required to have his doctor's note, but since then, the requirement has been removed, so you don't even need that anymore. You just tell your insurance, I'm a girl, they gotta give it to you. So now that is that is the result of what's happening in this world. David felt like he beat the system. I did it for cheaper insurance. By switching his gender, David was able to save $91 a month. Oh, so it's just, it's, it's comical what's happening in the world today. And you know, all the real ladies are like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah, you can. And now your insurance is going to go up because nobody, yeah, it's, everything is just upside down. My wife is smiling. She does not smile during prophecy updates, but she is smiling. Okay. Other category, zero hedge. We fear for our lives. The first 50 white South African families start their resettlement in Russia. Just like I said, now they're doing it. Just weeks after we reported that the white South African farmers facing racial genocide had been seeking refuge from the violent attacks and death threats of their own government's policies in friendly foreign nations such as Australia, the Russian Times reports that the first 50 families of Boers could soon be moving to Russia to escape rising violence against the farmers. The reality is that we do fear for our lives, and the reality is that a white farmer is attacked every day in South Africa. My grandfather was murdered on this farm. The government is certainly responsible for creating the climate of antagonism towards white farmers. The farmer said that he visited Russia with his family to explore the possibilities of resettling in the area. I know the growth of agricultural production is immense in Russia, so I think it's the right time to buy into agriculture in Russia. And I think there's a lot of potential. Stavropol is uh, ready to settle up to 50 Boers families, according to the region's deputy commissioner for human rights. A Republican, or I'm sorry, a Russian delegation, that was a Freudian slip, wasn't it? I'll read that again. A Russian delegation is due to come to South Africa to work out a more detailed resettlement plan with the Boer community. There you go. From reason. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I'm mentioning it again, and then I'll give you a short uh, subject line after this, but uh, this is where this is going right now. Cody Wilson Distributor of digital blueprints for do-it-yourself weapons sues New Jersey, Los Angeles over legal threats. The State Department just 
pulled their uh, suit against him. They said it's a First Amendment right. He can publish these, um, how to build an AR-15 out of a digital printer, etc. But they said you can do it, so he was going to do it. Now these states come against him, and now he's suing them. Uh, Goober, Goober is his name. Goober S. Gruwal, the attorney general of New Jersey, sent a threatening letter to Defense Distributed last week that claimed the company's plans to allow anyone with a 3D printer to download a code and create a fully operational gun directly threatens the public safety of New Jersey's residents. Posting this material online is no different than driving to New Jersey and handing out hard copy files on any street corner. Gruwal ordered the company to cease and desist from publishing printable gun computer files for use by New Jersey residents. Defense Distributed's legal right to post its information was won by the company via settlement this month after a long legal battle with the federal government. Before that settlement, the feds essentially wanted to treat the act of hosting or distributing such files as illegal arms exporting. Defense Distributed informed Gruwal on Friday that all actions contemplated by Defense Distributed are fully protected by the First Amendment. And Gruwal's attempts to prevent such actions constitute an unconstitutional prior restraint and otherwise violate the United States Constitution and the New Jersey Constitution. It reinforced that argument with today's suit against Gruwal and Michael I can't pronounce it, Fuer, I guess, city attorney of Los Angeles, who issued a similar threat against Wilson's company last week. The lawsuit calls the officials' efforts an ideologically-fueled program of intimidation and harassment. And then from the Washington Times, just the title, Judge Issues Temporary Restraining Order Stopping the Release of 3D Printed Gun. Okay, they have had this technology. You can get it, apparently, I read an article this morning. This morning on the dark web, it has been out there for years, for years, and not one person has ever been killed with one of these guns. Their argument, which I may read next week if I don't have anything else to report on, is that this will actually help people in countries where they cannot defend themselves. This is a savior for people, and this is exactly why the left doesn't want it. They want people to not be armed so that they can come in and they can take over and they can rule our lives completely with complete impunity against us. That's what they want. Yeah. From Zero Hedge, where do we stop? Austin considers renaming city to Shed Legacy. They want to rename the entire city of Austin now. The city, yes, the city of Austin's equity office has suggested renaming the Texas capital and report about existing Confederate monuments that was published this week. Known as both the father of Texas and the namesake of the state's capital, Stephen Austin laid out the early outlines of Texas among his many accomplishments. However, and for this reason, for the proposal, Austin also opposed an attempt by Mexico to ban slavery in the province of Tejas and said if slaves were freed, they would turn into vagabonds, a nuisance, and a menace. The report also identified several neighborhoods in 10 streets named in honor of the Confederacy or William Barton, a slave owner, dubbed the Daniel Boone of the Texas, that could be changed. The identified streets and parks are only suggested for reconsideration. And the city, Bolden Creek, Pease Park, and Barton-related landmarks were included in the lower-tier list of assets for secondary review in the report. Still, the report did identify several streets uh, staff consider related to the Confederacy and worthy of more immediate action. 
These streets are Littlefield Street, Tom Green Street, Sneed Cove, Reagan Hill Drive, Dixie Drive, Confederate, get rid of Winn-Dixie, right? We're going to get rid of Winn-Dixie. You can't go shopping there anymore, right? Plantation Road, Confederate Avenue. That said, actually renaming the state's capital would likely require a citywide election. Austin would have to be struck from the city charter and replaced with another name. Can you imagine what they're doing in this country? Just erase history, erase history, erase history. It's like these baseball players. The guy is 15 years old and he says something on a tweet and now he's 22 years old and they're holding it against him and they're saying you can't play Major League Baseball anymore. It is absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane. From Zero Hedge. Caterpillar, remember Caterpillar lost, lost, lost. Every, yeah. every month that he was in office and then yeah. a couple months afterward, it went right up on Trump. Here's what it says. Caterpillar surges after reporting record earnings, boosting guidance. So after a year of him in, they didn't only go up, they have record earnings. I wonder what the difference is. Just wonder. From France 24, Venezuela president, you all know this, but I'm going to read it anyway because it's just worth reading, has admitted the economy has failed. Yes, absolutely. Okay, a couple things here for you. The first is, uh, I got to read you a lesser, but before I do, if anybody wants a link to the process to make that Afghan that uh, Les's wife made for Hedeco that we showed last week and it was on the update, if anybody wants a link for that, how to process it, you can email me and I will send that to you. Kathy's how she did that, okay? Just in case you ever want to make one. All right, here's a lesser for you. Granny loves on her grandkids a lot, took a stand against bullies and shot. She was shot midst the fight, made the foe's bullet bite. Do not mess with her. She's cool, but hot. <laughs> Good job, Les. Okay, I got a couple ironies of the week for you. Let's see here. I call this do not enter. Mail online. Three poachers are eaten by lions after the men broke into South African nature reserve to slaughter rhinos for their horns. So they got their just due. Mail online, jogger, 19, accidentally crosses into the United States from Canada and gets detained by immigration authorities for two weeks. Yes. And I've got a bonus uh, irony for you here because it's, it's worth it. We know the straw ban out in Seattle. And here we go. This is an ironic turn of events. The California ban on straws has failed to prevent the government from sucking. <laughs> Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and our friends in Iligan City of the Philippines, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is uh, the superior word here, and uh, that's the Prosty Update for the week.